The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA Postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in early Wednesday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stemsky right here on the Ringer Podcast Network and the NBA season has now come to a close and good for the Milwaukee Bucks. Good for my dude, Giannis. And I always love to see teams and title jobs, especially teams that I have no beef against. It's one thing when the Red Sox ended a title drought in 2004. I was living. I was sick about that. The Milwaukee Bucks winning their first NBA title since 1971. I think it's super cool. The raw emotion in that building, the 65,000 strong out in the Deer Village, whatever the hell you want to call it. My goodness, what a scene and what a moment for the Greek freak. This was a coronation in many ways, for my money, the most likable superstar in the NBA. Think about this for a minute. Going into this NBA final, one of the major storylines, one of the major talking points was what kind of shape is Giannis going to be in going into this series? How effective can Giannis be after not playing game five and after not playing game six against the Atlanta Hawks? Look at Giannis's stat lines in these series, in these particular games. Absolutely absurd. From his awesome game two effort in a loss against Phoenix. But then look at how physically he imposed his will on this particular series. That started in game two. It really continued in game three. Of course, game four, epic comeback, changed the entire fortunes 
change the entire feel and landscape of the finals where it looked like it was going to be an easy run for Phoenix. Then all of a sudden you're thinking otherwise. And then when Milwaukee won game five the way that they did, Holiday getting a steal, the alley-oop to Giannis. I got the sense going into game six, the Bucs were not going to be denied. Because I've seen it in sports too many times. When you get that gravy chain of juju going your way, and Milwaukee had a whole lot of things go right for them. Kevin Durant's foot being on the line. Kyrie and Horton getting hurt in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Trey Young getting hurt in the Eastern Conference finals. I don't want to hear it, though. Because you know what? Sometimes in sports, you got to have some lady luck on your side. Anybody who's going to put a star next to this title for the Milwaukee Bucks is absolutely full, okay? Milwaukee won this thing. They got after it. They were down 0-2, for goodness sakes. In the conference semifinals against Brooklyn, and they're down 0-2 against Phoenix. A Phoenix team that was running through everybody in the Western Conference, and they found a way to get it done. More power to them and more power to Giannis. Anybody who's going to say a bad word about Giannis now can go take it and stick away to Sundown Shot. My goodness, what a masterful, masterful series. I'm not exaggerating by saying this. It is one of the more impressive NBA Finals and more specifically, one of the more insane closeout games that I can ever remember. Because basically, Giannis said in this game, there is no way you are slowing me down. There is no way you are stopping me. It did not matter who Phoenix tried to throw on Giannis. They couldn't slow him down. And the stat line indicates as such. Listen to these numbers for Giannis. 50 points, 14 boards, 16 of 25 from the field. And he knocked down all his free throws. This is a legacy game for the freak. When we think about Giannis's career, in a nutshell, and we do this with all-time great NBA players, you are going to look at game six against Phoenix, chance to win a title, chance to win the Bucs' first title in 50-some years, and he said, I'm going to be the baddest MFer on the planet. And there's nothing you could do to stop me. Now, was Paul Grant in game six? For Phoenix, no. Did Booker play well in the second half of this game? He did not. This is not about Phoenix, though. This is about Milwaukee. And I'm so happy for Giannis. I can't say it enough. Because in this era of NBA basketball, how many times do you see guys take the easy way out? LeBron joined forces with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Kevin Durant couldn't get it done in Oklahoma City and said, yeah, I'm going to go join a 73-win Warrior team with Curry, with Thompson, with Green. Giannis was in a similar predicament. He won a couple MVPs. He won Defensive Player of the Year, but his team kept coming up short in the postseason. Could argue maybe there wasn't enough help around them. Maybe Giannis's game was not where it needed to be. Well, he said, you know what? I'm going to get paid because I love it here. I'm comfortable here. 
This organization believed in me. They put their faith in me, and I'm not going to let them down. To see him validate that and go and win a title, it's fucking awesome. There's no other way around it. I love it. I think it's great for the league. And to me, a whole lot of young superstars around the league should be taking a page out of Giannis's book. Unless, of course, they want to come to the Knicks. They want to come to the Knicks, then you could join forces with any dopey super team that you'd like because I haven't seen a championship in my lifetime and I'll take it any which way I can. This is a great moment for the NBA tonight. Great, 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 great moment for the NBA tonight and great moment for Giannis. And all in all, this was a fantastic series. I know ratings-wise, it lacked the star power of a New York or a Los Angeles. It didn't have that dominant team. The parody that was on display, the competitive spirit in basketball that was on display, I thought it was a really, really good showing. And now Giannis can bask in the glory that he's an NBA champion and that he didn't cut corners and that he didn't take the easy way out. And he's got the ultimate resume game. No matter what you may think about Giannis for the rest of his career, Giannis has one of those games now where he could drop the mic and say, well, that's that. That is a drop the mic game for Giannis. 50 and 14 in a closeout game, enough said. So hats off to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now let the NBA offseason begin. And I, I feel like we'll have wall-to-wall stuff with the draft. The Nick rumors are going to be crazy. You know, it's funny. Somebody asked me the other day, the Dame Willard rumors came out. They're like, JJ, you're doing a Spotify green room right now. I go, guys, that ain't news. I go, we're going to get Dame Willard rumors basically every other day. Wake me up when it's close, okay? Once they figure out they're trading them, once you know who the players and the front runners are, then you can talk to me. Now, I'm intrigued by Colin Sexton. I think he'd fit in well with Tom Thibodeau and what the Knicks are looking to do, but I'm dreaming big. So before I even start thinking about Sexton and this and that, I know our buddy BT, who I'm going to play golf with in a few weeks, Tierney, he wants Sexton over Lillard. I mean, no, 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 no. You're not suggesting that to me. We'll have to get into that in a couple of weeks. We'll have BT on the show. You got a chance to get Lillard. Go get Lillard. Now, we got all the basketball covered. Interesting night of baseball. I got to give the Yankees credit. The Yankees are beyond depleted in their lineup. We all know it. COVID is taking its toll. Judge is not there. Rochella is not there. Andahar got hurt. Voigt got hurt. I looked at the Yankee lineup that they ran out on Tuesday, and I said, well, how in God's name is a lineup that has the likes of Brantley, and no, I'm not talking about Michael Brantley, calling up Estevan Florial, Greg Allen, and Tyler Wade, and the cast of thousands. How are they going to beat the Philadelphia Phillies? who are playing some really, really good baseball. Well, the Yankees did exactly that. A 6-4 to four victory. Scoring two runs in the bottom half of the fifth inning with Brett Gardner. Big, 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 big home run. Overdue home run for Gardner. Taking advantage of some subpar Philadelphia defense. Kind of got things going. And then Gary Sanchez, who was red hot in the month of June, cooled off for the first half of the month of July, gave you one of those 
feel-good type of performances. Hitting a bomb of a home run, getting a couple of hits, real encouraging stuff from Gary. And Stanton, hallelujah, Stanton finally got a couple of hits, including a home run. And the Yankees are going to need the middle of the order. While guys are out on COVID leave, Stanton, Sanchez, Torres, they have to hit. Torres missed an opportunity with a couple of runners on base. You could see how pissed off he was. But those are guys who got to deliver for the Yankees. And remember, they didn't even have LeMayu in the lineup today because he wasn't feeling too good. Stomach bug. Thankfully, it's not COVID. Now, positives from a Yankee standpoint outside of the boppers. This Greg Allen has got to play. He has given the Yankees a spark. He's speedy. He's getting on base. It's providing a different dynamic to what hasn't been in the lineup for the last couple of weeks and basically all damn year. Greg Allen's a player. Ride him. Try to catch a little lightning in a bottle while you can. So I want him in the lineup basically every day. And if that means over Brett Garner when guys come back, so be it. The other thing that was interesting to me, Estevan Florio. So the Yankees, after this Hamburger kid gets hurt, they call up Florio, who a lot of you guys on Green Room and on voicemails have been screaming about for a while. Florio has pop. He's raw. He's not hitting for a high average down in the minor leagues, but they bring him up. Has a productive out. Hits his first major league home run. And I'm wondering one of two things. Are the Yankees going to give Estevan Florio legitimate run with this team this year? Or are the Yankees showcasing Estevan Florio as someone who maybe could be a part of a trade to get you legitimate outfield help, let's say? Or maybe it's with the Chicago Cubs for Anthony Rizzo. Who knows? I'm just speculating. I would not rule out that possibility because we have seen the Yankees do this in the past. Herman, so-so. Rest of the Yankee bullpen was excellent. And I'm going to say this about Chapman. Even though he gave up a bomb of a home run to McCutcheon, it seemed like with Chapman, him giving up the home run to McCutcheon set him off because his pitches to Hoskins and Aditi Gregorius were as good as I've seen Aroldis Chapman throw in two months. 102, angry, basically in FU mode. No two Aroldis. That's the version the Yankees need to see the rest of the way. And how about Green? Even though he put him in a very, very tough predicament, cleaning up Lutke's mess. Big time, big time pitching. Getting out of that seventh inning including the bases loaded strikeout to Didi. And how many Yankee fans thought Didi was going to wreck the game? I know I did. Because I've seen him do it so many times wearing a Yankee uniform. Go in for the Yankees. Listen, all in all, we know how uphill a climb it is for them to get into the postseason, to get back in the division race. It's an uphill climb. But it was imperative that they got off to a good start right out of the All-Star break. Well, you look, they've taken two out of three from Boston. They've won the first game here against Philadelphia. Now they're starting some journeymen tomorrow. So who the hell knows what you're going to get on Wednesday. But Phillies are doing a bullpen game. Philly bullpen is not particularly good. You want that momentum going into Boston. This is this make or break stretch to keep you in it. Because your schedule, though, if you survive it, it's a lot more favorable over the next six to seven weeks. So 
Good start to the second half for the Yankees. Despite some of these names being unknowns, wins are wins. Now for the Mets. The Mets continue to go down a road where it just becomes more and more obvious they need help from a pitching standpoint. And maybe it's going to be internal with Carrasco. Maybe at some point you're going to have it with Noah Syndergaard. But you knew going into this game on Tuesday after the Mets had a great win Monday, despite Diaz stinking up the joint again and blowing another save, you know what the Mets showed you on Monday? They got some balls. They got some chutzpah. They got some toughness because they answered back in the extra innings. Pilar's big home run, getting out of a couple of jams. That was a really, really good win. Down 7-3, coming back. Gut check, gut check, gut check win for the Mets. Tuesday, I looked at the matchup. I see Stock against Miley, who's been great for the Reds this year. Advantage, Cincinnati. And Miley was good enough. It was good. I've seen him better this year. Gave up a bunch of hits, was able to wiggle out of trouble. Met lineup, which has been humming, which has been cooking over the last few weeks, was not really cooking in this particular game, even though Alonzo homers again. And right now, Alonzo is just dialed in. He is starting to resemble the guy we saw a couple of years ago when he hit 50-plus home runs. But the Mets had chances in the late innings. They could not capitalize on those opportunities. And they end up losing this game to Cincinnati. But their bullpen is getting worked. It's obvious. You look in every single one of these Met games, you're seeing reliever after reliever after reliever after reliever. And you saw that again here on Tuesday. Here's a memo to Marcus Stroman, who is not one of my favorite Mets. You know, he blocked me on Twitter at one point. I think I'm unblocked, but that's besides the point. You got a rubber game. You got an afternoon game. You got a tax tire bullpen. Can Marcus Stroman go give the Mets seven innings of two-run baseball? Is that too much to ask? Go bail your bullpen out. This is a big game for the Mets. With the amount of tough games that they have on their schedule, you want to rack up wins when you can. Stroman's one of the quote-unquote reliable starters you have. He hasn't been over his last few starts. Been slipping a little bit. Mets need a big effort from Stroman. Because this road trip, 3-3, three and three, not great. You live with it. 2-4 and four with what you have coming up, anything but ideal. We got a loaded show. A little extra pep in my step. Coming off the NBA Finals, late night. Maybe it's a little coffee, ice cream. I don't know. We have tons of reaction to get to. We'll preview what my week is going to look like. Taking a show on the road on Thursday. Say your prayers, everybody. Speaking of prayers being answered, the great buddy Beheim. I think he's working his way on the top five or top 10 of all-time Q's players that I've loved. I think you guys know if you've listened to New York, New York, I bleed orange. And if you haven't, shame on you. You're not paying attention. So I'm looking forward to having Buddy Beheim on in a little bit. We'll unveil Stump the JJ or a trivia segment, whatever the hell we're going to call it. I think we'd be copywriting the, the folks over at ESPN, so I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into trouble. But we'll have some trivia coming up. It's a loaded show. And I'm definitely a little crazy and a little kooky right now. So what else is new? All right, voicemails coming up next. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Loaded Sports Night, and I am excited, antsy, on edge about taking a show on the road. Not really. It's going to be great. That's the beautiful thing. You know, normally when I used to do radio remotes, you know, there would be engineers, it's this, it's that. Now it's the simplicity of do I have a Wi-Fi connection and do I have my microphone? And if the answer is yes and yes, then we are going to be Gucci. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And let's just say the last 48 hours for me have been rather chaotic from Monday playing in a David Cohn golf outing, which was great. We saw our buddy Jimmy Laird, who was hitting bombs, ran into Coney. Always great to see Coney. I was fired up to see Irving Fryer as a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. I think about Irving Fryer not as an Eagle, not as a Patriot, as a Dolphin. So that was a ton of fun. But as I'm closing on an apartment, Anybody who was closed at any point in their life probably realizes what an absolute shit show it is as far as paperwork. They need this. They need that. So that basically drove me to drink over the last 24 to 48 hours. So now that that's over and done with, now that the NBA finals are over, I feel like I could kind of let out a sigh of relief. So if you've sensed a little angst in me, maybe I'm just letting it all out at this point. Anyway. You guys like to let it all out on these voicemails. So in case you're wondering how to get in touch with New York, New York, it's very simple. 917-382-1151. That is where we make our magic. 917-382-1151. So Rudy, let's see what this takes us, buddy. What's up, JJ? It's Lucas from Stanford. I'm as demoralizing and as pathetic as this Yankee season has been. This dude, Greg Allen is the greatest Yankee I've seen since, like, the 1998 season. The fact that he can go out there, steal second base, advance to third on the sacrifice fly, and score an error is the most exciting thing I've seen in Yankees baseball in, like, 20 years' time. I'm not ready to say the Yankees are back because they still got so many guys hurt, and at the end of the day, I think that father time or however you want to call it will mess it up, right? Listen, Greg Allen's been fun. I don't know if it's sustainable. I wouldn't let Greg Allen get in the way of making a move at the deadline if you can get somebody to help this team this year. And I'm also thinking about next year in the process. But over the course of 162 games, you need players to infuse something into a clubhouse. He's done that. And he provides something they don't have a lot of. Speed. Athleticism. Going first to third on a hit and run. Putting the ball in play. I know what a concept. And the idea is the switch hitter. He's a nice player. Tell you this, I'd rather see him in the lineup than Gardner at this point. Who's going to fight me on that? I am excited to see Greg Allen do his thing Thursday at Fenway Park. I, I, I cannot believe I am saying that, but that is the God's honest truth. And I wonder when DJ LeMayu gets back, do you think about leading off Allen and putting LeMayu in the two spot to let him go hammo on hit and runs. Because DJ is good at contact guys you're going to find. Something to think about. And I am fired up about the fact 
that the Yankees, and this is where I got to give Aaron Boone some credit. I've been killing him all year. Got to give credit where credit is due. She's now pushing the envelope in these games. I don't know if he's telling the analytics department to go to hell. I don't know if it's like, well, my job is on the line. I got to do something different. Or because of the talent that's on the field, I got to do something different. There is far more of a sense of urgency with the way the Yankees are playing. That's refreshing. They're trying to make shit happen. Hallelujah. And that's going runs. Got to try something new, right? Who's next? JJ, it's the Coney Island Cobra. Been a long time. I just uh, wanted to respond to uh, Gary Cohen. I saw an article in the paper, and he's shitting on the city of uh, Cincinnati. He has a problem with Skyline Chili, calling it disgusting. Now, I, I expect that from a douche like Gary, who just has no taste. That's why he's been with the Mets for the last 32 years. This oi prince, you know, call him what he is, this, this desert pope, he needs to shut his mouth, all right? Skyline Chili is amazing. So he can go fuck himself as far as I'm concerned. As far as the Yankees go, let me just tell you something. This team needs to pick it up. I don't give two shits about taking two out of three from Boston, all right? Until I see some improvement, this team ain't going nowhere. And Aaron Boone, you know what? Get off your fucking ass. Do something. Him and Cashman, he's Cashman's puppet. You know, basically, Cashman knows what he had for lunch because his hand is so far up his ass. All right, he's a puppet. All right, get your shit together. Let's fucking go, Yanks. Kick some ass. Go down to Philly. Crush their fucking skulls. And let's fucking go. Signing off, bud. The Cobra maybe needs to get in the Yankee clubhouse with Nick Swisher for inspirational pep talks. You know, like Nick could be the positive guy. Cobra could go be the guy to give you a kick in the ass. Because that is exactly the sort of kick in the ass I think I need around my apartment, quite frankly. So I appreciate that, Cobra. Now, I've never had Skyline Chili. I love chili. I love chili of all kinds. So for my money, anybody who's going to go after chili, I think they're making a poor choice. Now, maybe Gary is just not a fan of the chili. I'm in on chili. All types. I get it at restaurants. I've never been to Cincinnati, though. Never have. It's not like on my top five, top ten places to go and visit. Nothing personal. It's just like there are certain cities where it's like, well, what is my incentive? You know what I mean? Maybe if there's a Yankee Red World Series, 76 to 61 reincarnated, you'll get me to Cincinnati. I am encouraged by the brand of baseball you're getting from the Yankees, though. Got to be fair. That's not all of a sudden telling you that they're going to turn their season around or that Aaron Boone is the right guy to lead this team. In the here and now, though, these are positive signs. We're looking for anything at this point. When you're a team that's, you know, chasing as many teams as they are in the division, the wild card, you name it. Baby steps. Who's up next? Hey, JJ, it's uh, Paul. It's Paul from Wilton. And uh, I just got done listening to the June Learis interview. Uh, I'll, get to, I'll get to that later. But first thing, I had to talk about the Yankees. I was at the game Sunday night. What a game. Great win. But and I got to talk about that. You were talking about that hit and run with 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 uh, with Lyris. I was at the game with my dad and godfather. I turned to them with DJ Mayhew at the bat, three one count, three two count, and I said to them, "You know, Boone won't do it because he's a scrub. But you know, what would be great right now is a hit and run. Mayhew can put it off to the right side, get a man on third. They said, nah, I want to do it. There we go. Did it. Absolutely did it. Second of all, 
lyrics. I was so fired up to have lyrics on the show. Awesome. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I was born in 93. I'm 27 years old. But when people ask me what my favorite Yankee team is, I say the 1996 team. And everyone's always like, oh, you don't remember that team at all. I do because I had that VHS 96 Yankees win, that VHS tape, and I watched it 100,000 times. And that Lyra's home run is my favorite call of sports to this day. I don't know if it was Joe Buck or his dad, but it was it was Jones back to the trap, to the wall. We are tied. And it fires me up to this day. I can still picture Jones running back in those left field stands. What a moment. What a time. Oh, man. And last I'll leave you with, I said I was at the game with my dad and my godfather. My godfather is an absolute Yankee fan legend. Die hard to give you some perspective. When he had a daughter, his daughter's 13 now, when he had a daughter, he told us, I don't know what the sex of this kid is going to be, but my favorite, but he's a diehard Mickey Mantle fan. I'm naming this kid Mickey, whether it's a, whether it's a guy or a girl. It ended up being a girl. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. A girl named Mickey? I think that plays nicely, to be honest with you. I think it plays nicely, and you nailed it. Buck had the call 96 World Series, and it's crazy to think about Joe Buck's career. Because that, in many ways, was the first ever moment for him that kind of thrusted him on the national spotlight. A lot of people are like, who the hell is Joe Buck? Why is this 27, 28-year-old kid doing a World Series with Tim McCarver? And that is a fabulous, fabulous call. Back at the track, at the wall, we are tied. And I was thinking about Laritz's career because I was talking to him the other day at the golf outing. The 96 home run is obviously the most significant home run of his career. It's probably the most significant home run in Yankee history over the last 35 to 40 years. The 95 home run, though, in the rain against Seattle in the epic back-and-forth affair, I think it went 14 innings. That was the Gary Thorne, hang on to the roof, Don Mattingly call. O'Neal Tiny against Norm Charlton. Griffey hit a home run to take the lead, and then the Yankees storming back in extras. Pinella pulling everybody off the field. That was a, a, an insane playoff game. And then Laritz, in the rain, walked it off on Tim Belcher, and Yankee Stadium went into a frenzy. They didn't win that particular year. But those were the signs of something special brewing. 95 right into 1996. And Jim Laritz is a big part of it. I don't think there's any doubt. So... It was good connecting with the king. You got to see that guy hit a golf ball. Oh, my goodness. My jaw is still dropped. I saw him hit a bomb or two, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I couldn't do this in my wildest dreams. That's why they're professional athletes, no matter the sport. You know who else was hitting bombs? Mendoza. Ramiro Mendoza, the former Yankee. And, you know, Simmons says that uh, Mendoza was a mole, basically trying to sabotage the 0-4 Red Sox. You know, I asked Ramiro, I go, Ramiro, why do you have Yankees and Red Sox on your tag? I go, that old four Red Sox series means nothing to you, right? And he laughed. He goes, I love it. It's another ring. Must be nice. Must be nice. But he was hitting bombs. See, I should have documented some of this on videotape, but I think I missed another putt. Just saying. All right, final one before we have a little fun. Who's up next?
Uh, JJ, it's Anthony and Syosset. Listen, I had a buddy, I'm not going to give up my sources, but I had a buddy who was at the David Cohn outing on Monday, and he told me that at an outing with former Yankee world champions from those 90s dynasty teams, that the longest line in terms of autographs and pictures was for John Jastrzemski of the Ringer. Now, can you confirm that? Again, that the longest line in terms of conversation, autographs, and pictures was not for any members of those dynasty championship teams, but it was for New York, New York's own John Jastrzemski. When you have a minute, if you can confirm that, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, it's very kind of you to say, I don't know who that inside source might be, I think David Cohn and I think Daryl Strawberry had me beat, but you know when you run into me, you're going to get a lengthy conversation. So maybe a lot of people were trying to get that convo out of me because they knew, all right, with JJ, he's going to shoot the shit with me for more than a minute or so. People were great. The outing was fabulous. I mean, I've played in two great outings the last two weeks. I love it. People invite me to play in these things. I ain't going to say no. It's great. Shaking hands, kissing babies, my specialty. But I did take a bunch of pictures. And, and there may actually be some documentation of me out on the golf course. Do I beat Strawberry and Cone? No, 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 no. That's kind of your buddy to say, but not to that extreme. Come on now. Come on now. Before we have a ton of fun with one of the breakout stars in college basketball last year and super cool kid and Buddy Beheim. I promised you folks an element that we're going to add to our Tuesday and a Wednesday shows. A little trivia Tuesday, even though now it's probably a trivia Wednesday. I wanted to see where Saruti was going to take this. I wanted to see where we were going to go. So Saruti, hit me with the question. Let's see what road we're going to go down here. And let's see how big of a fool of myself uh, I'm actually going to make regarding my lack of knowledge towards, well, just about anything. Hey, JJ, Sean from Island. Thanks for taking the call. Listen, I usually call it the honor stuff, but for this Dump the JJ segment, I'm going with the Jets. I'm also a Jets season ticket holder the last 11 years. As you probably know, I've never seen a home playoff game. So for Stump the JJ, I want to know the last Jets home playoff win. I want the year, the opponent, and also the score, because those who don't know, it might come as quite a shock. Thanks, JJ. Think he's an ass. I love this question. This is a layup for me because I'm still bitter about it to this day because the Miami Dolphins should have won the 2002 AFC East. They choked over the final two games of the year. The last Jet home playoff win. I'm going to give you that answer when we come back. I think it's an easy one. I think I'm going to nail it. I don't even think there's going to be much. I don't think there's going to be much. Now, Sorority, am I giving the answer or are we going to play it right after? You tell me. Let's uh let's let let's let people listen to the break and then they could kind of think for themselves. Ah, okay, I like it. You wanted to you wanted to formulate a little bit. All right, we'll give you the answer right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. 2002, I gave you that hint. The New York Jets 
defeated the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning in Wild Card Weekend. And I believe the final score was either 41 or 42 to nothing. I'm going to go with 42 to nothing. So, Rudy, are we three for three? Okay. Technically... You got the score right. You got the opponent right. So, oh, the year. We'll hold give, on a we'll second. Give you a hold ding. on a second. We'll give you a it's ding. the two. <laughs> I, it was in two thousand three in January, but Correct. it's the two thousand two season. I'm taking a W on that. By the way, Correct. I'm overruling Correct. you on that. I'm taking a W. It was January of two thousand three. So yes, it was the two thousand two season, but it technically occurred in two thousand three. Okay, three for three. See, Sean from Long Island gave me a layup, which I like. I like that we have a layup. Excellent. 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 Up next, here's Buddy Behan. So I know it's mid to late July, but I think anybody who knows me well knows I bleed orange. Class of 2010, I'm even rocking a little orange for our next guest, who was, to me, the breakout star of the NCAA tournament. He had a shot range that was like Steph Curry-esque. I mean, we were going nuts watching the games down in Atlantic City. Let's welcome in my dude, Buddy Buckets. What's up, Buddy Behan? Hey, man, nothing much. Appreciate you having me, and I love the shirt. I appreciate that, man. I mean, I could have rocked the cartoon version of your father, but I was thinking, you know what? You see enough of Coach Behan, and whether it's at home or at practice, I said, I'm going to save Buddy, you know, a little aggravation. He don't want to be staring at his dad for the next 15 minutes, you know? Yeah, definitely. Appreciate that. Appreciate you looking now. I see him enough. You're right about that. Yeah, I think I made the right call. So let's start here. You're coming off an insane run in the NCAA tournament where everything just clicked for you. A whole lot went right for your team. You guys make it to the Sweet 16. And now you're going through the process of a normal summer, workouts, all that stuff. Uh, Are you still basking in the glory? Are you still smiling about what you guys were able to do last year? I'm definitely just proud of how we finished the season with COVID, all the pauses we had, uh, myself getting COVID, a couple other players halfway through the year, and just really proud of how we finished. And I just think, if anything, I'm using that as momentum going into this season, using it as even more motivation. Uh, Now that we got to that point, we all want more. We want to even go farther in the tournament, have, you know, a, a finished top, you know, a top team in the ACC regular season. And just build off that. So I think I'm more motivated than ever, if anything. And just, you know, really thankful that we have the team here. Like you said, it's a normal summer, just having everyone up here. And it's already been great. A lot of great additions, including my brother. So we're going to want to make something happen uh, next year. And uh, I just can't wait to build off last season and get going. How fired up are you for that? And watching your brother when he was playing at Cornell, Dude can ball. He had some good games against you guys a couple of years ago. So was this something that you always dreamed about? Did you think, eh, I don't know? Like, when did it become real that you were going to have the Bayheim trio rocking at the Qs? I don't think it was ever really a thought until this season. Uh, he was, you know, Cornell always was the uh, first school really to give him a chance. And he, he really was thankful for that and loyal to them. And obviously a very smart student as well. So he was got a great degree there. And then obviously with COVID last year, getting the chance for an extra year, um, them not having a season uh, halfway through the year, uh, we kind of, you know, would talk to, talk to each other, talk to my parents. And, you know, we, we felt like it would be perfect if, you know, he winded up here for a fifth year and we knew he was good enough, obviously putting up good numbers in a, in a very good league. And uh, he's a very good player. He's already, 
surprised me a little with what he can do. He's very good around the rim. He's strong and can shoot it. So I think he's going to help us from, from day one, and he's going to surprise a lot of people. Buddy, you know I bleed orange, bro, but I got to be honest. Last year, going through the year, watching you guys in January and early February, I didn't know if I was going to have some fun come March. I didn't know if I was going to be hooting and hollering. You guys obviously have to have a much different mentality. You guys are on the court. Uh, you know, you're not sitting at home like me, watching, rooting, doing all the stuff we do. When did it become clear for you that you guys had found something? For me, I, I don't know if you felt this way. I watched you guys against North Carolina. You guys never, ever, ever beat North Carolina. They're so big. They kill the 2-3 zone. And when you guys beat them that big Monday, I said, I think they might have found something here. Was that the moment for you where you're like, all right, Syracuse going to go on a run? Yeah, definitely. I think that's for everyone felt like that. That in Clemson to finish out the season, two teams that beat us before that at their place and to be able to come back and beat two very good teams, two tournament teams the way we did. Going into the North Carolina game, I'll never forget the coaches just telling us in the meeting room before the game, just go out there and play. We have nothing to lose at this point. Uh, forget about what we have to do, what we can't do. Um, just go out there and play basketball and just let it fly, let it, you know, just all be out there. And that's what we did. We we came out, beat a very good team who we struggle against, obviously, with their size. And we just did an incredible team effort there to win and then beat Clemson. And going into the ACC tournament just felt like all the confidence was there, all the momentum. And we played two very good games against one of the best teams in the league at the time and NC State, one in five in a row, and just played one of our best games against them. And then as well as Virginia down to the wire and just showing the resilience we, we had. We had a lot of confidence going into the tournament. Uh, from a shooter standpoint, you were feeling it throughout the tournament, really in the ACC tournament too, for that matter. Was that like the best zone you've ever been in? Like mentally, like just your form? Like, I, I don't know if you felt that way maybe in playing AU games or playing high school games. Was that like the hottest Buddy Beheim ever was shooting the basketball? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I Until shot. next year, buddy. That's the only thing. <laughs> next year, I want it to be even crazier yeah. than that, dude. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm, nice. being I'm working on that. But uh, just, you know, I think off the North Carolina game, having a big game against them, and then uh, just going into the ACC tournament, I had a lot of confidence. And every game I started off, uh, you know, three for three, two for two, and just got in the rhythm early. My teammates found me, did a great job, and once they see me make a couple, they, they look for me and know that I can heat up. And uh, that was just kind of the mindset and just feeling like I'm not going to miss a shot anytime soon unless, you know, it's blocked or whatever it may be. And uh, that rhythm is it's it's a great feeling. And to be able to have it for the for the stretch I did uh, just owe my teammates a lot of credit for for getting me open, making it easy for me and uh, just continuing to work hard and stay focused and knowing that, you know, I was going to get a stretch like that where I, where I shot the ball well. Your dad, obviously, one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever. But when you're one of the greatest coaches of all time, and you know the deal, buddy, there's going to be haters. There's going right. to be criticism. There was criticism for your dad, your team this year. You're a part of it now. You know, you're one of his guys, obviously, your son, of course, but you're one of the top players on the team. You were the best player on the team. When that criticism's going around, do you take it personally, too? Yeah. Yeah, I always do. Um, I mean, ever since I was a freshman here and 
I obviously didn't have the impact I do now, but every loss, every whatever it was, whatever I heard, I took it personally and just said, you know, I'm going to stay patient. I'm going to work as hard as I can. And when the time comes that I can, you know, be one of the guys and be a leader, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I leave it all out there and make sure I do whatever it takes for us to win because uh, he, like you said, he's arguably the greatest college basketball coach of all time. What he's been able to do with for so long, uh, never having a losing season. He's, he's a legend and, He's been my, you know, one of the reasons I made it here because he's always believed in me, been there for me since I was a kid and wasn't always the best player. I had to, you know, work to get here and he's always just supported me and, you know, I'll do anything for him. I'll run through a wall and that's my mindset on the court is, you know, I'm going to leave it all out there and, uh, you know, just try to do whatever I can for him because, you know, he's, he's always been there for me. You've been around Syracuse your whole life. Watching your dad do his thing, being around all those great teams. Did you always, from the time you were a little kid, want to go to Syracuse? Like, I want to go to Syracuse, buddy, because I couldn't shoot the ball like you. But mm-hmm. I saw, you know, Tariko and all, all these great broadcasts. And it's like, all right, I want to do sports radio in New York. They got a great program. I, I want to be a part of that. I was probably in high school. For you, was it like eight years old, high school? When did Buddy Beheim say, I want to play for my dad? Oh, man, I always wanted to go to Syracuse. I could never see myself anywhere else as a kid. It was, I don't care if I was there as a manager, as a walk-on, I was going to go to Syracuse. Um, that was, you know, it's my life. That's, you know, Syracuse basketball has, has always been the biggest thing in my life since I was five years old, going to every game and being a ball boy, whatever it may be. So for me, it was just if I was good enough, I would obviously come here and play and just hoping that it would all work out. And luckily it did, but didn't really know till probably my junior year that, you know, I was going to have a chance to play here and get the opportunity to play at Syracuse. And when I got that feeling and, you know, when the coaches told me I, I had a scholarship, whatever, maybe I, they wanted me to play at Syracuse. It was one of the best feelings, you know, I could ever, ever imagine. All right. Take the player aspect out of this for a second. Your favorite Cuse memory, and it can't be last year in the tournament because obviously that's going to take the cake. But all those years around dad, all those years around the program, buddy, for me, that's six overtime game. I was doing radio. We snuck down. We weren't supposed to courtside. So as Eric Devendorf is jumping on the court, you might see me like gesturing my hands that the shot should have counted, even though we all know it didn't get off in time. Is that like the number? Was it the championship or was it six overtime that like you enjoyed more? I would say six overtime because I wasn't at the at the national championship. My brother was, but um, I was four years old for the national championship. I don't really remember it, but I was at the six overtime game. Um, I was right behind the bench, and it was one of the crazy, probably the craziest game I've ever been a part of. I was nine or so, and I was stressed out. I had to go to the to the locker room. I had to watch it in there for three, probably two to four overtimes. Uh, I watched it with Coach Huggins from West Virginia, me and my mom and him, and I was sweating the whole time. I went back out when I knew we were going to win and uh, went to McDonald's after with some of the managers at 4 a.m. And uh, definitely my favorite memory up there with, obviously, Virginia going to the Final Four that year, 2016, coming back and beating them. Those are my top two memories. Um, From a rival standpoint, so, buddy, I'm in my apartment. We got new people moving in. The kid is wearing a Georgetown shirt. He's like the nicest kid in the world. And I'm like, sorry, bro. I don't think we can be friends if you're rocking that Georgetown shirt. They're still, to me, buddy, because I'm like a Big East guy through and through, the number one rival 
Do you still look at Georgetown that way? Or because you play in the ACC, like the battles with Virginia have been crazy. Like I can't stand them out of any. They're really good, but I can't yeah, stand them. Duke, Carolina. So does Buddy Beheim have a number one team rival at this point? It will probably for me, Georgetown's up there. They're definitely you can't get up. that out of the Beheim blood, man, right? They're you can't. There. They're up there. I'd say number one is probably UConn. Uh, I will never. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was always, always for me as a kid. It was, it was them in Georgetown and, and Pittsburgh's up there. Um, but I'm obviously ACC, uh, Duke Carolina is always a hyped up fun game, Virginia as well. But uh, for me, I'm, I grew up in the Big East days and UConn's probably number one for me. Never, never liked them. Now you got to talk me through this cereal. I saw this earlier today. I'm all fired up. I wish if they sold it in New York City, buddy, I'm in, I'm buying. You got nothing to worry about, bro. I'll eat it before every Syracuse game for good luck. But in all seriousness, this is something I've been screaming about for years. The idea of guys, gals playing at Q's, playing at Duke, wherever, being able to profit off of their name. I mean, to me, that's a great thing. It's something that you guys deserve. Is that something that you guys have like talked about? It's like really cool or is that kind of something that just like organically happens? It kind of just naturally happened. Um, just, this was uh, with a former Cuse guy too with the three wishes, Ian, and he did, he reached out to my mom and it kind of, they connected right away and happened. But the NIL has been great so far. We're, as a team, we're looking to do some team camps, whatever it may be to get everyone involved and everyone gets some money. But, I think it's been great so far just to be able to connect with the fans even more, doing cameos, whatever it may be, and then also being able to give back and donate to Make-A-Wish is something I'm doing right now through Cameo, which has been a lot of fun. And I think it's been great and uh, just looking forward to doing more stuff. But the Three Wishes thing was a lot of fun. I had a blast doing that. And it's just been a great experience for me going forward, I think, with all the opportunities we get to do now. Well, dude, it's awesome that you're giving back. That's super, super cool to see. But, you know, I'm itching for a return to campus. I'm not going to lie. Last year, I couldn't go because of COVID. You know, buddy, it's funny. I went to the Carolina game two years ago when Fallon, your guy Tom Brady and Gronk were there. Like, it was all celebs. And then, you know, I was in the second deck somewhere. It's okay. I'm not Fallon. (laughs) I'm not Brady. It's cool. Um, But thinking about my return next year. So I'm going to ask you, buddy, Beheim, what's the Q's game that John Jastrzemski has to come up for? at home, at the Carrier Dome. I'm going to be at probably more than one, but if there's one game that I can't miss next year, what's the game? Um, That's a good one. Definitely Duke has got to be got to be up there. You guys love that, right? 30-something thousand in the Dome. I mean, it's yeah. just insanity, dude. It's insanity. Insane. It's a, a must-see. If you're a Cuse fan, it's a must-go game before, you know, whenever it is, before you're done. You have to go to a Duke game. Uh, that's got to be on everyone's bucket list. And then I think Indiana will be a great game at home early on. Uh, the fans are going to be eager to go, and that's probably the first real big game we have against a Power 5 team, I'm pretty sure. So that will be a big game. And whoever we open up with will also be a, a good one to go to. But say Duke's up there, Indiana's up there. And, and you guys are going to Bahamas, too. I wish it wasn't yeah. over. Thanks. Not, not bad, buddy, Beheim. Thanksgiving in the Bahamas must be Bahamas, nice. Bahamas, and then we're going to play Villanova in the Garden, so that'll be a great oh, game. Oh, that's an easy one for me. That's 20 minutes away. I got exactly. five train stops away. Come on, bro. Perfect, of course. Yeah. Cuse in the Garden or in Brooklyn. 
Although you guys don't like Brooklyn as much for whatever no. the reason. What, what's up with that, buddy? That's my borough. You guys got to start playing better in Brooklyn. I know. I know. Well, the ACC is going to be there next season. So that's that's when we'll That's we'll when we write that wrong. You guys are due to win an ACC tournament, by the I way. Know. I know. I, that's that's the plan next season, just having a great regular season, making a r- run at the ACC, hopefully winning it. But it's the best conference in basketball. So it will be a challenge. But, uh, you know, we're, that's what we're, we're hoping for, and that's what we're working for right now. What's the Marshall Street uh, food of choice? Buddy Beheim's got to go down to Marshall. I miss Peter Pitt, Varsity, uh, Fagans. I miss Chucks, by the way. R.I.P. Chucks. I hope it's coming back soon. Yeah, but yeah, like, what is the spot for Buddy Beheim on Marshall Street that like has his heart? Varsity, for sure. Just just uh, going there with my dad as a kid and him telling me how he went there when he was in college back way back and just uh, going with the coaches and just they always show love. They're they're all in the Syracuse, and uh, that's definitely my place. And my dad came out of Pita Pit the other day, though. I saw him. A wow, week ago. it's like pop up. I'm sure TMZ was following him up there in Syracuse. You know, you and your dad. If you guys are walking around Syracuse, the TMZ camera is not going to be far, man. <laughs> yeah, he gets a more than me for sure. But saw him leaving Pita Pit the other day, and he he likes to go and try different things out. He, he's a big foodie. Final one. I watched your game last year and, you know, I'm with guys I graduated with. And I said, I think Buddy Beheim's an NBA player. He's got the shot. He's got the range. Is that something you think about? Is that now obviously winning a championship and doing great things at Syracuse is your priority for next year? But I say Buddy Beheim, NBA, that's on the priorities list, ain't it not? Yeah, it definitely is. I'm obviously not going to worry about that too much next season. The goal is, like you said, making a run, making a run the ACC in the tournament. and But that's definitely uh, just a goal of mine is just to improve every day and show that I'm capable of playing at that level. Um, I think I uh, proved that at the end of last season that I could be one of those guys that, that can, you know, make some noise in the league, make some shots. and uh, But just not really worried about that right now. Whatever happens, happens. Playing at Syracuse has always been my dream. So whatever happens after this will be uh, even better than than what I expected. So just working hard every day and uh, just appreciating where I am. I like the sound of that. Now, have you ditched the Patriots? Now that Brady's gone, I'm a Dolphins guy, buddy. I'm rooting for Brady now that he's out of New England. He can win as many as he'd like in Tampa. Have you made the switch? Are you now all still aboard the Brady Brigade? I'm all Brady. That's my guy. Okay. Uh, I got a I got a Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed helmet from him. So that's my guy. Uh, he'll always be one of my favorite athletes of all time. So I'm wherever he goes, I go. And yeah, people call me a bandwagon, but I just I love him. I love you know how he carries himself. He's a competitor and he's a winner. So that's my guy. You're a ton of fun to watch, bro. Keep up the good work. And I can guarantee you at the Garden, you might hear me screaming your name. I'll have the Buddy Bucket shirt on. We got to get me one of those. And it feels like there's a lot of trips that I can make. New York, ACC, I could. Buddy, ACC tournament in Brooklyn, 15 minutes from my apartment. That's an easy, I can walk, bro. I can walk. I'm in. I better see you there. I better see you. Not only will I be there, you'll be hearing me. I'm loud. So (laughs) you will hear me. You got nothing to worry about, okay? Dude. Perfect. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Keep at it, all right? Of course. Thanks for having me, man. Good talking to you. That's the great buddy Beheim. We're back with more right after this.
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. So Buddy Beheim now has me ready to run through a brick wall for Syracuse basketball this year. And there are a couple of very enticing road trips. I don't think I will have the gall to try and pull off Thanksgiving in the Bahamas because I think my mother would kill me if I missed Thanksgiving dinner. But Villanova, Madison Square Garden, I'm in. Home game at the Carrier Dome, I'm in. ACC tournament in Brooklyn, I mean, that's going to be amazing. I will be able to walk from my apartment. It's like a 25-minute walk, give or take. And I'll be at the Barclays. I'll be uh, stumbling around Park Slope, especially on those off-pod nights. On a Wednesday, on a Friday, geez, I'll basically close the place down. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, I was thinking about this. With the NBA season now over, it's weird from a wagering sense because the only game in town at this point is baseball. Yeah, you got to get through the draft and the props, and some of you guys may get involved with that. I know we will, and FanDuel will have them up. We'll detail them all next week. But I would say between now and the middle of August is when I'm going to start putting the full-court press on my futures and my season totals and all that good stuff with the NFL market. And I'm looking at the odds to win the AFC East and the odds to win the NFC East over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Buffalo, significant favorite to win the AFC East. No surprise there at minus 160. They were in the AFC title game last year. I'm a little surprised they have New England ahead of Miami. New England's at plus 250. Miami's at plus 380. And then, of course, the Jets, plus 2,400 to win the division, which basically is a lottery ticket. I would flip-flop Miami and New England, quite frankly. Because I never love the idea of a team that spends a boatload of money in free agency. Because in many cases... That does not work out. I would never in a million years lay 160 with Buffalo. I think they're going to win the division, but that's a hefty price. That is a hefty price to pay in the preseason. Now, in the NFC East, you don't have to worry about laying odds. And to me, these odds are totally out of whack. The odds to win the NFC East, Dallas, who always gets overvalued, is at plus 120. You got the football team. Washington is at plus 200. Giants are at plus 380. Philadelphia is at plus 450. I think Dallas, wake me up when they're playing defense. I don't love the head coach. I would never in a million years play the Cowboys. I'm looking at one or two teams if I'm playing them from a division standpoint. It's Washington or the Giants. Giants are giving you better bang for your buck. But Washington, to me, is a more complete team. I think they're better on defense. I think they're going to have competent quarterback play this year. And their weapons are better than you think. McLaurin, Logan Thomas, they're better than you think. That team, it's all about quarterback play. And I'll take it a step further. I think if Washington gets quality quarterback play, they'll win the NFC East. Philadelphia, forget it. That's a rebuilding year for the Eagles. So we're going to do this, and we're going to mix this in now over the next couple of weeks. Help from our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll do odds to win each of the divisions. We'll do the over-unders. I'm not giving you any picks yet official on record, but I'm kind of giving you a little primer. I'm trying to 
wet the beak a little bit as we move closer and closer to training camp. And then, believe it or not, closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. I'm circling Washington plus 200 as a possible beak to win a division. I'm not playing Miami to win the division. There's too much emotion going on there. I hope they do, but that's emotion, emotion, emotion. Now, Jeff Money and I had a family play. We both had the Milwaukee Bucks in game six. We both were able to cash the Milwaukee Bucks in game six. So now I got to wonder, what in the world does Jeff Money like with no basketball on the docket? Tell me, Jeff Money. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. First one's going to be for tomorrow, Wednesday the 21st. I got two Major League Baseball games. My money play, I'm going to take the Seattle Mariners minus the 125 over the Rockies. It'll be Flexen versus Gonzalez. Flexen is 3-0 and with a .90 ERA his last three outings versus Gonzalez with a 1-1 with a 6.75 ERA his last three. So the Mariners will be my first money play. Uh, game number one. Game number two, I'm going to go with another. I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs plus the 120 over the Cardinals. It'll be Hendricks versus Wainwright. Hendricks is fantastic on the road. He's six and one with a 3.40 ERA versus Wainwright. Four, four and, uh, four and four with a 2.87 ERA at home. So I'm going to take the Cubbies plus the 120. As far as Thursday, if there is a game seven, I'm going to go back with the Bucks. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. We don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that, Jeff Money. No need for a Game 7 after Giannis's masterful performance. You could just enjoy the NBA season ending, my friend, on a family play. Not anything that really stands out to me in Major League Baseball. I'll pick my spots with the baseball. I'll dive in when I see fit. I'll tell you a game that's a little warming tomorrow. The Mets are a little warming tomorrow, only being favored by minus 137 against the Reds. That's a stay away from me. Yankees look a little overvalued at minus 155 in a bullpen game with Wojciechowski. That line seems totally out of whack, but I'm staying away from the baseball because right now, from a wagering sense, folks, my focus is on trying to dominate this NFL season. Not an easy thing to do, but that's what we're going to try to do. And we'll start setting the stage for that in the weeks ahead here on New York, New York. Thursday, will be our first ever show away from home. I know. I got to get on a flight. I haven't done that in over a year. I'm going to run into a lot of wicked Boston, park the car, Harvey Yard, little clam chowder, all the above. Because all of a sudden, the Yankees and the Red Sox has a little bit of sizzle going into the weekend. Got to start somewhere, folks. Fellas, fabulous job. We're live Thursday, probably late in the evening. Yankees, Red Sox, expect the game to go four, four and a half hours. What else is no? I hope everybody enjoyed the finals. Hope everybody enjoyed their Tuesday, now Wednesday. JJ out. Be good, everybody.